We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Roto Grinders NFL Food for Thought podcast. I'm Justin Carlucci, and guess who's back? Back again. The Chiefs back. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Let's give him the mic. What's up, buddy? Good to hear your voice again. How you? How you Nothing doing? Much. I'm good, man. Glad to be back. Just wasn't feeling well, and uh, I'm at. I don't know if you. I, I did put out on Twitter that I wasn't feeling well, but it was actually kind of more of several days of not feeling well. So. I mean, I wasn't doing shows, podcasts, pretty much nothing. And um, it is what it is. So I am glad to be back, man. It's it's always good to to be able to do something you love. And I love coming on, doing these things. And so, um, yeah, let, let, let's get this party started. Let's, let's get, get it, it started. going. Let's get it going. Check out RG Premium, guys, if you're not already rolling with us. Missing out on a lot of great content, a lot of great tools, including premium videos, premium audio, a lot of great written work, ownership projections, the whole nine yards. Like and subscribe to the Roto Grinders Daily Fantasy Football Podcast as well, which we are a part of. And you know what? I am glad you're feeling better, and I'm sure you felt better towards the end of the weekend. But how sick did the Carolina Panthers make you, Chief? Did did your well <laughs> did your wellness go away after Sunday afternoon? Uh basically uh what happens is you just basically get sick all over again. <laughs> the Panthers, I mean, what what are we doing? 
Um, and look, and here's what I told one of my buddies. We do have some injuries on both sides of the ball that are like really, I don't think people understood how important they were going to be. Um, Christian McCaffrey being out is a big deal. Uh, um, Terrace Marshall's out. Shaq Thompson's out. We lost J.C. Horn at cornerback. Uh, Gilmore's not not there yet. And, and a host of other random things. So, you know, you have all that, you know, it's the NFL, you got to be healthy to win. In any sport, you got to be healthy to win. Um, but in NFL especially, I mean, you've seen, you've seen it just ravage teams down the stretch where, uh, okay, let's say, for instance, like we'll talk about the Cowboys last year. Uh, started out, what they weren't playing great defense, but the offense was keeping them alive. Dak's playing out of his mind. And then he gets hurt, and, I mean, their season's over. Over. The quarterback uh, position is just so delicate, too, you know? That yeah. that's that's the guy you got to keep on your feet, which is why the offensive line is so integral. And we're seeing uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. We're seeing uh, what a poor offensive line is, and the Titans had a good game plan. And we're we're gonna get right into elephants in the room. And I can kind of well, let's segue. talk about that. I can. I, 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 I think the Kansas City Chiefs. We I've been talking about this almost the whole season. I don't know if anybody's been listening. The Kansas City Chiefs aren't good with, with all these problems they have. Right. I, like you have to have good offensive line play. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. At some point, the team has to play well enough for him to be successful as a quarterback. I mean, Patrick Mahomes and, and, you know, God bless him. Thanks, Pat. You know, I've been hitting uh, rushing yard props on him. Feels like the whole season now, but my point is this, you can't not have an offensive line and expect Patrick Mahomes to be Superman. Doesn't work like that. Just he was doing work. it for a while, but but let me let me I'll let me throw this in there. The running backs don't matter, people, <laughs> right? The RBs don't matter, people. Well, two of them do. Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry matter yeah. to their teams. You know, what? let's give the two tone blue a little shout out here. Derrick Henry had what under a hundred yards and. Still got his touchdown, though. Three got his touchdown. <laughs> they said running backs can't win MVPs, and he throws one. <sighs> but, uh, hey, Ryan Tannehill played lights out ever since the second half of that Bills game the previous week. You know I'm riding a high right now as a Titans fan, right? But two two great wins, though, Chief. Regardless of what anyone thinks the Chiefs are, they were still scoring over 30 a game on the road to a Titans defense that's decimated in the secondary. But the pass rush. Bud Dupree earned his paycheck. Harold Landry has seven and a half sacks. I know you've been checking out tackle props over there on prize picks. So uh, keep an eye on David Long Jr. from Tennessee is really coming into his own too. You want a name that uh, Vegas won't catch up on right away is probably David Long. But listen, man, I, I, I'm, I'm a very reasonable, unbiased Tennessee Titans fan. But I got to give them a little bit of credit because the game plan was good. And, the, and Vrabel figured out the formula, Chief. You mentioned how poor the Chiefs' offensive line is right now. They have a the Titans have a good front four. They blitzed on two plays, I think, the entire game against the Chiefs. That easy pressure with their formidable front four, play right. coverage, and that's the blueprint that these teams are going to use the rest of the way against the Chiefs. So, man, are we going to be able to? Are you going to buy some Kansas City Chiefs at lower ownership, like against a less formidable opponent in the future? Here, I mean, we're going to see some interesting 
what have you done for late me type stuff? Uh, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And the prices are definitely going to come down, I think, um, you know, and as they do come down, then we'll see what, what happens. But I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in that in a long-term perspective. I mean, even if you, you know, you kind of look at, you know, the landscape of everything this week, uh, you know, they're, they're playing the giants. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they can beat the giants, uh, Luch, but what's working in their favor is they're at home. And that might be the, that might be the great equalizer. But if you had to ask me right now that I feel confident that they would absolutely beat the Giants, I'd say no. I would I would absolutely say no, which is crazy. Because I don't know. Like, clearly their offense, I think, is still explosive, right? I don't think that the offense isn't explosive. But, man, scary, scary proposition. Monday Night Football will be an interesting uh, pre- uh, premium showdown uh, show that the boys are going to put together. Um, Kansas City still 10-point favorites. Good news for us is we don't have to worry about that for main slate, which is Correct. which is nice. So don't have to worry about it at all. For sure. Good good stuff there. So one of the other elephants in the room is that Devontae Adams has COVID, but he's on Thursday yeah. night football. So we're kind of dodging yeah. dodging some bullets here for for the main slate. But for anybody that's you know a quick look, Chief, to Thursday or to season longers, what what are you looking at in that Green Bay team? Are you running to Alan Lazard if you're looking for a receiver for your waiver wire? Or you who what becomes of this Green Bay offense on Thursday? Whole lot of Robert Tunyon, I think. Uh, no, seriously though, I, I definitely think uh, you know Alan Lazard is going to be big time. Randall Cobb may come up from out of the, out of out of the grave as well. I mean, I don't. I don't want to overlook what Randall Cobb might be able to do in this game from just an old school connection standpoint where, you know, while Alan Lazard may be the, the, the youthful Panther, uh, you know, Randall Cobb is like the elder, elder statesman here. And I, I think he could really rack up some things, but I mean, it's a Thursday night game. So we really don't have to worry about it, which is great. Uh, but I, I do think Robert Tunyon is probably, I mean, it just feels to me like he should get, you know, some really good, uh, really good work. So we had a wild Sunday. I think we should talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's do it. Wow. Are you a believer? Are you in on the Cincy train? And um, just looking at what Jamar Chase is doing after the garbage negative narrative. And he is... 7,500 finally on DraftKings. That's a $1,300 increase. But I think the price tag is warranted. Uh, so talk to me about this Bengals team. And were you impressed with the way they kind of handled Baltimore in the second half of that game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's been impressive, you know, the whole the whole time. Like, they've, they've done well. Um, I, I think – and so here's the thing when a team is kind of coming from out of nowhere – like, yeah, they're leading the division, but who's actually still taking the Cincinnati Bengals seriously, right? And so I think there's this element of surprise that they have against teams where, yeah, they watch the film and, and they're like, oh, well, they're winning now, okay? And maybe they take them a little bit more seriously the more they win. But I think human nature says, ah, I'm not worried about the Bengals. You know, they, they, and so I, I think the other side of that is watch, watch this, Luke. 
are they really good or, you know, are they really this good? Yeah, I know they beat Baltimore. And we, 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 we find excuses for losses or wins, right? Well, Baltimore is not healthy. Or, you know, um, uh, well, they lost to the Bears. Just I'm saying stuff like that, right? We, find, we, we, we pick and choose and find excuses. Bottom line is, are they winning now? I think the NFL is one of the most win-now leagues. Like the NBA, you can get away with a couple years of, of just not being there, right? Like you, you really can. If you've got the talent, you've got a starter, star in the making. I mean, let's just take Michael Jordan as an example. Michael Jordan comes into the league, takes the league by storm, but he just doesn't get there, right? He ends up needing some help, and it took, it took him four or five seasons to kind of figure it out, go through the Detroits, go through the Bostons. Go, you know what I'm saying? In the NFL, that, it's not that type of league. You can have a Cinderella season and win the Super Bowl with one good team, and the next five years you could be 0 and, and 17. Like, that, that's the NFL. And so I think, you know, we can't compare them to the Patriots. The NFL isn't going to have 20 million dynasties like the Lakers or the Celtics or wherever LeBron goes. It's, it's not like that, right? W- one guy can't completely change a franchise. He needs help. Well, guess what? Cincinnati went out and got Joe Bengal, Joe uh, uh, Joe Burrow. You know what? Let's call him Joe, Joe Bengal. I love it. Joe Bing, I love yeah. Joe Bengals some help, and all of a sudden the offense takes off. Well, guess what happens when one side of the ball is like just dominating? The other side says, "Look, man, we got to do our part." And the de- they did you know make some make some moves on the defense. They the defense isn't just playing better by. By by circum, I mean by happenstance, they went out and made some moves to get better. But once once again, they're playing complimentary football. Won a big game on Sunday, and Joe Bengals is probably smoking a cigar every game at this point. He's in the house. Jamar Chase is there. T Higgins is there. Tyler Boyd is there. Right. Uh, uh, Joe Mixon is there. I mean, and look at all these acquisitions and and guys they picked up. Over time, who knew CJ Uzoma was a star? He was there when Andy Dalton was there. Like, I think people forget, like, I mean, he's just coming and making everybody look great. Joe Burrow, ladies and gentlemen, a.k.a. Joe Bengals. Every there's such a domino effect in the NFL. It's amazing when you have a competent quarterback, but you need a competent play caller. You know, Zach Taylor, probably a little under recognized to the public. But everything goes in hand in hand. We talk about it all the time. You could have all the talent in the world, but a terrible head coach, terrible coaching tree. Or you could have good coaches who, unfortunately, are just given the short end of the stick because they don't have the talent. They don't have the GM. So just a, a great all-in effort job by this organization to from the top down, from the draft selections that have been home runs. You know, to putting together a little bit of a formidable defense um, with the way the offense is actually moving the ball in Cincinnati, that defense isn't left in porous field position every single time they're out on the field. So uh, it's just uh, awesome to see Jamar Chase come in and, and really uh, he's the alpha in this offense. The first couple of weeks, it's like, well, he broke a big, long touchdown, but he has 43 percent of this team's air yard market share. T. Higgins has 29%. I don't want to say Tyler Boyd is an afterthought. You hear people saying Tyler Boyd's not good, but he only has 18% of the air yards. But when you bring in Jamar Chase could be a superstar in this league for the next 10 years, Chief. I mean, 
Well, God, he grades out. Like, he grades you know. out number one, top five, whatever in man coverage. You know, which is the, probably the most important metric in determining how how good of a route runner somebody is. I mean, the guys are absolutely dominating. And when we get into our recipe for success, I think we'll talk about some Bengals because they're on the road against the Jets as ten point favorites, who just made a trade for Joe Flacco. So I have a feeling we might be talking some Joe Mixon defense correlations uh, a little bit later for some optimal <laughs> optimalish type builds, but. Yeah, super impressed. Jamar Chase, alpha receiver in that offense. Turns out he can catch the ball, folks. Joe Bengals and Jamar Chase. Joe and Jamar Bengals. I mean, this is this is exciting. And um, really, what a monumental win with some of the struggles we've seen Pittsburgh have, right? Um, Baltimore's decimated with injuries since training camp, and Lamar's been doing the best he can to backpack that team. And, of course, you want to talk about being decimated with injuries, the Cleveland Browns folks who uh, who still got the job done on Thursday night football product of a great offensive line chief. Um, just crazy, uh, crazy stuff there. It's cool to see Cincinnati uh, doing well. Um, give me yeah. one of your elephants in the room since I was blurting a couple out to you. Well, I, I mean, I, and I, I know it's NFL and this is, this is a secret elephant in the room that I don't feel like it's not going to impact us right now but at some point I am starting to get um I'm starting to get the feeling that that this is going to be a big deal at some point and that elephant in the room is when is Deshaun Watson going to be on an NFL team playing quarterback and you know I've got some thoughts about it you know, you look over the league and you say, well, you know, who needs a quarterback right now where maybe, and remember, he has a no trade clause, so he's not just going anywhere, um, per se. You, you get what I'm saying? And so you're looking around the league and you're saying, you know, who, where can he go today and possibly just kind of pick up an organization? And on the surface, on the surface, there's really not a whole lot of contenders, right? There's, there's not a whole lot of contenders. Are the Browns one of those teams he can go to? Maybe, but they're going to have to pay him a lot more money than they're going to have to pay Baker Mayfield. The que- But here's the big thing with, with – with, and I've talked about Baker. Here's the big thing. The Browns – I don't think the Browns want to pay him the money. However, I do think they'd be willing to play Deshaun Watson the money. Well, he already has the money, but you get what I'm saying? It's like, okay, so so the Browns are on the list. Here's another team that I think is on the list, and it's the same team they play this week, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this has everything to do with, is this Ben Roethlisberger's last hurrah? Possibly. They could do it. It's, I don't, it's definitely not going to be the Jets. They've got their rookie quarterback. It's not going to be the Titans. It's not going to be the Colts. Not going to be the Eagles. Not going to be the Lions. Last team on the list for now, considering the whole circumstance, right? Considering the whole circumstance. Do you think, hear me out. Do you think the Denver Broncos would be willing to roll the dice? on on, on, uh, and, And let me tell you why I say that. I love Teddy, like Drew Locke. But these guys are not Deshaun Watson 
And Deshaun's been doing this with a bad organization, just kind of dragging them into the playoffs or almost dragging them. And I know that, uh, um, uh, gee, what, uh, God, what's the, what's their outside linebacker? Von he Miller. got hurt. In the, I know Von Miller got hurt, but he'll be back. With the weapons that they have on this team, the Broncos would probably automatically assert themselves into a playoff discussion if Deshaun Watson is leading the charge for this team. And I really mean that. He's he's definitely one of the top five quarterbacks in the league currently, you know, and and man, I don't, you know, I don't know all the, the legal particulars, but, uh, you know, if, if everything was what it is, then, you know, I, I'm of the mindset. I don't want to get political here or in anybody's business, but you do bad things. I don't feel like you, I, we have to give everybody grace, but you know, you got to be uh, accountable for your actions. You get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. You, you got to be accountable. You make a great point on, uh, it's funny because in April, I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to Denver and you can really have a fun little, I don't want to say edge, uh, calculated risk if you are following the free agent market in XYZ sport and you think you know where a player is going to go. And I got the Broncos at really great odds at the time to uh, win the Super Bowl. Of course, it's uh, in the garbage now. But um, a couple years ago, for example, you. a couple years ago, for example, I had the Utah Jazz. I was a year early to, to uh, win the Western Conference. Uh, when they signed Mike Conlon, before they signed Mike Conlon, you know, that was a really good team. Um, Like obviously the legal aspect is, is this is one of the more fascinating inch like situations in the league. I cannot wait to see when he gets traded, what kind of draft capital we're talking here in terms of risk and reward. I mean, of course, these guys, you know, the front offices, the GMs know more than both of us and everybody listening to, but there's only so much you can know about the situation. So I don't know what the risk reward is. John Elway has been absolutely awful at identifying talent at the quarterback position, which blows my mind. He's the Michael Jordan of the NFL front office personnel, although Jordan's doing a little bit better now. I will give you that, but it was a rough, a rough start for Charlotte. Well, well, no, 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 but here's the thing. But can he can he is he willing to is Elway willing to stick his neck out with a guy who's owed thirty five million dollars next year who could go to court this summer and never play a snap in a Broncos uniform? It would be the biggest like it would be the worst move of all time potentially. What is not not if they win a Super Bowl this year? How 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 high is the risk with Deshaun Watson? Is it fair to even ask you sitting here, Will Priester, if you think Deshaun Watson will play football again? I, who knows? What is the outcome going to be? I have no idea. I'm certainly I, I not a legal expert. <laughs> I think he'll play football again. Um, and, and look, I, I have some examples to go by. You know, Michael Vick had, you know, a terrible experience, went to jail and came back and played football. Uh, you know, Greg Hardy, man, I mean, just – made some terrible decisions, did some really bad things, came back and played football. Kareem Hunt came back and played football. Antonio Brown came back and played football. Tyreek Hill never left. Right. Tyreek Hill, the only person, there's only one person that hasn't made it back to the NFL, and I don't think he's coming back, and that's Ray Rice from the Baltimore Ravens. That's literally, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Josh Gordon keeps getting one-day contracts. 
so I, I guess all in all, I would say I think he'll be playing football based on the track record. Well, you didn't mention the team that has been rumored by the quote unquote blue check marks that are in the in the who's who is the Miami Dolphins. So do you not think the Dolphins are in play for Deshaun Watson before we move on? Well, yeah, I definitely think they're in play, but I, I don't think they have to. Like, Tua's there. He's young. You know, he can develop. You know what I mean? I'm saying, you know, in, in terms of my lean to the Broncos, they've already had the Drew Locke experience, and they still go with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Like, Teddy Bridgewater didn't – he had to earn the job. And so clearly Drew Locke didn't do enough to beat out Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy was playing out of his mind to start the season. I know he's had like a foot injury or hamstring injury or something like that. But what I'm saying is neither one of these guys are anything near Deshaun Watson from a talent perspective. Deshaun Watson will make it easier for Melvin Gordon. Deshaun Watson will make it easier for Devontae Javante uh, Williams. Deshaun Watson will make it easier for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and Kendall Hilton, Hinton, and, you know, and, and K.J. Hamler's out. Like, what if K.J. Hamler was still there? Like, this team would be ridiculous. Noah Font would – I mean, he, he totally changed this offense. This offense would be more explosive, harder to defend because of his legs, because of his ability to read. Like, th- there's just so many things that they would do. And then you look at this division. You look at the division and you say, well, wait a minute. There, there's still time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the Broncos legitimately have the pieces to win now. Tell you they what, really you, do. You put Joey Bengals in that offense, and they're, they're leading the division. Am I right? Right. I mean, I mean, look, look at this division. The Raiders are 5-2. and two, The Chargers are 4-2. and two, The Chiefs are 3-4. and four, The Broncos are 3-4. and four, And if Deshaun Watson was there, they'd probably be 5-2 and two because of some of the games they've lost. Like, I don't think they lose to Cleveland. If Deshaun Watson is leading that team, do you? No. I don't think they lose that Thursday night game. And, and here's the unique I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think they lose to uh um uh the Raiders. I, I don't. I, I don't think they do it. I, I, I don't think they lose to the Steelers. Here's the unique it's, 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 here's the thing, Chief, right? You you're laying out good print b- blueprints here because who knows if there's gonna be a Joe Bengals in this upcoming draft class, and if there's not and you're forced to have another year of Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, here are the upcoming 2022 free agents at the quarterback position. Teddy Bridgewater, Ben Roethlisberger, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, Geno Smith, Tyrod Taylor, Andy Dalton, Mike Glennon, Nick Foles, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's it. The other guys aren't even worth a breath of my air that I'm belting out here, and I'm not even sure any of those other guys were worth me mentioning either. They're, that's it. So unless you find a Joe Bengals type guy to turn it around, what a waste of another talented skill position group of a year it would be for the Denver Broncos. And, and you're absolutely right. So I guess when you factor in, there are no quarterbacks coming off their contract and most competent quarterbacks don't even get to that point because the GMs say, we got to pay this guy. Now I keep going back to my right. homerish ways, but uh, John Robinson paid Ryan Tannehill two years ago. And everybody said, wow, he got overpaid, but now he's like the 13th highest paid quarterback, which is mine for Ryan Tannehill. So, which which makes me even more impressed with 
the way that the Rams went out and got Matt Stafford in that trade this season. And I want to talk about the Rams who just got in a hole early. By the way, the Deshaun Watson discussion was great and relevant because whatever week that news drops between the time we drop this podcast and Sunday, the slate will get flipped on its head because we won't know who's starting quarterback for what team. We won't know if Deshaun Watson's going to get acclimated right away. Like, let's just say he gets traded to Miami for Tua, right? Like, there's a chance that Deshaun Watson won't be ready and they start Jacoby Brissett or or whatever. I, I think, I think that's the right move. I don't think so, he's going to come in and start right away. I, I think that's fair, right? Like, well, you're we, not going to start Deshaun over Jacoby Brissett week one unless you're basically going to do like we, we talk about with Aaron Rodgers and let him get in the huddle and draw plays in the dirt. Like, that's, that's the only way you're going to let this happen, right? No, no way you let him come in and start week one of him walking in the building unless there's been some uh, some backdoor things going on where he's like, you know, uh, on, a, on a secret black, inner, you know, deep, dark web Zoom call already learned the playbook. Uh, anything's possible. <laughs> Honestly, in this day and age. Anything's possible. Oh, man. But- Kevin Garnett referenced everybody if you didn't know where that came from. Uh, the big ticket. Listen, uh, th- that discussion was warranted and a lot of fun because the slate will get flipped on its head whatever week the trade happens. And I can't wait to see the risk reward, uh, you know, draft capital type move that someone's willing to make to acquire someone with top QB, literally one upside, but also may not play a snap again, despite your really I mean, good research. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If... <sighs> Look, man, I have nothing against Baker. I've, I've told you my – this is my last point. I've told you my reason for Baker. I, I didn't feel like Baker was, like, elite, but I felt like – I was glad Baker's got his chance, and I felt like the organization's been fair. Better coaching staff, he's playing better. Now he's just hurt. But he's still not Deshaun Watson, right? Agreed. I, I, I think the not Browns are probably the best – The best. Uh, I feel like they have the most bang for the buck. Because the Broncos, I mean, uh, the uh, the Texans, I mean, what do they have going on? Like David, David Mills is starting right now. Tyrod's there. I think they could make some trade with some other pieces to get him in Cleveland, who's also ready to win right now. With Odell and Land- and those guys are hurt, but Odell Landry, the tight end group, has a good running game, right? So Deshaun shouldn't have to run all around the field. He's going to have a, um, you know, more of a. Um, a play action type offense that's going to keep him clean most of the game and preserve his career. He's got the arm talent. I just, it's so many things. I still think Denver's the best spot for him though. A good landing spot for anybody. Talented skill group there for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know right. if I get, I don't know if I gave this away, but I want, I want you to take your best guess at this. And I'm wondering if maybe you saw this tweet. Maybe, maybe you already know. Most fantasy points by a receiver through the first seven games of a season, all time. Any guess on who number one would be? Repeat the question one more time. A receiver in fantasy football through the first seven games of the season, who has scored the most points of all time in any season, like any season at all, who do you think would be the all-time leader through through seven games of any season? I'm going to play multiple choice. I'm going to go A, B, C, D, and then I'm going to do it myself. Okay. A, Randy Moss. B, Megatron. C, maybe Jerry Rice or Antonio Brown. And D, if we go most recent, it would be Jamar Chase. 
And my heart is telling me Randy Moss. My head is telling me Megatron. My gut says Jamar Chase because of because it's it's like right in front of my face. I want to go Randy Moss. That's what's that's that's that, that's that's where I'm, let's go Randy Moss. Let's see how far off I am. The crowd is gasping, and Regis Philbin, God rest his soul, R.I.P. says, "Chief, is that your final answer? Are yeah. you sure you don't want to use your phone, a friend, Chief? This is for all the marbles. You, <laughs> you can phone a friend. Call me. Call hey, me. This, call me." This, Call Let's me. phone a friend. Uh, th- this is probably no. I'm 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 gonna roll with it. This might be a good segment, by the way. Trivia. I like this. I- I'm I'm going with Randy Moss, and let's see let's see where we are. Phone a friend, Chief. Randy Moss, and by the way, Scott Barrett from uh, Fantasy Points tweeted this out. And I thought it was really cool. He gave a top seven of most fantasy points by any receiver through their first seven games of any season. Randy Moss is number six. On a on a wow. list full of Hall of Famers, I'll go backwards. Steve Smith, 2005 season, had 175 fantasy points. Randy Moss in his 2007 season. Here's one. Wes Welker in 2011. Of course. Number four, yeah. Torrey Holt, Hall of Famer, 2003. Part would of the not have guessed Torrey. I, I wouldn't have thought about Torrey Holt, but yeah, greatest show on turf. Here's another, another one. Adam Thielen, 2018. Number three had 179 points through seven weeks. Marvin Harrison, he was he didn't shoot anybody in Philly. They say 1999, part of the Indianapolis Colts. Can you tell I'm a Titans fan? I love Marvin Harrison, by the way. Number one, 2021, Jamar Cooper Chase. Cup. Ah, duh, 190. So Cooper Cup is having a historic <laughs> season. And do you know t- what I was thinking about too? What's that? I think I let the, the the yards and the air yards just get in my head too much. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely Cooper Cup. I, I, I totally get it. My gosh. So talk to me about this Rams team, who, of course, oh, they played the Lions. Well, they fell in a hole early, didn't panic, got the job done. Look, I, I, I'm going to say this, man. I'm just going to come out of the gate and say it. I like this, Ryan's, this Lions coach. Like, they're, they're not going to win games, but but I think if they stick this out, like they may be able to get out of the dungeon. Like I just like the fact that he's trying to find ways to motivate his team to win. Like they're not a good football team overall, but they've got some something's there. S- something is there with this team. So um I, I just want to say I like this Lions coach, man. I, I do. Man, I like him. Um at any rate, the Rams. And and let's just hop in this game right now. Rams versus Texans this week. No Deshaun uh, Watson. <laughs> right. No, no Deshaun Watson, clearly. How high do you think the ceiling is for this offense this week, considering this should, should be somewhat of a blowout? Do you think they come in and run up the score, like, you know, 38 to 17 or something like that, and then how does that translate into fantasy performances? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we saw Tampa Bay and Brady didn't against Miami, which everyone pegged as a complete blowout. And uh, him and Antonio Bryan were optimal. They didn't keep take the foot off the gas pedal. I mean, we saw we saw Atlanta, uh, excuse me, Arizona kind of come out really sluggish, actually trailed two nothing after one because Murray got safetyed. 
Um, and Kyler had 261 and three and a lopsided 31 to five game. So I, I I'm a little bit conflicted. Um, I think it's a price thing for me. The, the thing is chief, like what if Cooper, what if, what if Cooper cup comes out and catches the first three touchdowns and it's only 21, nothing. Right. So like, I still think you can play guys in these big game scripts because you don't know when they're going to score, what the situation is going to be. But yeah, if, you know, if, if Daryl Henderson, you know, the, you know, if he comes out and scores twice, you know, and then they sit him in the fourth quarter, I, I don't know. He's still 6,500. I mean, come on. That's, that's mega chalk for cash games right there against this Houston team who they should have a positive game script. So yeah, I think you can play these guys and exactly like who, who am I, if it's the game's 48 to three, like Cooper cup could score the first two touchdowns in the first quarter and he smashes. So yeah. I think you can play guys in these types of games. It's it, it, interesting conversation. Yeah. What is, yeah. what's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I, I just kind of want to get your read because, you know, Cooper cup is now nine K. So he's pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, and he should be right. Like this isn't, this isn't one of those. He's nine K. Why is he nine K? Like we pay nine K for Devonte Adams all the time. So, you know, Cooper cup, the price is warranted. Um, and now he's just in that price range where he has to perform. If he doesn't perform, the 9K is going to tank your lineups, right? And so how, how willing are we to pay the 9K in worst matchups? Because I think what we're banking on is either the game staying closer than we think or um, him just, you know, really kind of piling it on early and then kind of cruising later where he can pick up a catch or two for six or seven yards at a time or eight yards, you know what I mean? And kind of not have to get in the end zone late. So – that's kind of where I am on that game um, or, or that particular offense. Um, do you want to move to, to a different scenario or are we, are we good? Yeah. Yeah. We can move to a different one. And I just think it's worth noting that in the, in the final three Cardinals drives, Kyler Murray threw three passes on the last three drives. So like you prefer, you want that damage to be done early. If you're playing that game and you're following it and, if the Rams have 28 points for somehow and it's not Cooper Cup that's smashing and you're playing him, you're not going to get any work in the second half out of him probably. So, yeah. um, But it, it is an outcome. So interesting dynamic there to talk about for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I would kind of want to tie this into an elephant in the room and not – I know it's not going to be a super popular game because the game total is low, but your Panthers are on the road against Atlanta. And we talked a couple weeks ago before the – Falcons game in London and we were talking about Cordell Patterson and he was 8k last week on FanDuel and well you know what you said when he hits x number of snaps I'll be interested and he played 73 percent of the snaps last week finally I mean Mike Davis also played a lot and only had a handful of carries but here's the thing I mean this is how Cordell's being used in multiple ways here earlier in the season he was not out wide a ton but uh, week five, he had 15. I'm looking at PFF stuff here, by the way. He was uh, lined up. He played 15 snaps out wide, and he played three in the slot, four in the inline. So he had 19 snaps not in the backfield in week five. He had 24 snaps in the backfield. Pretty much an even split. Um, and then I look at last week, and I'm like, well, how's Mike Davis on the field too? And Cordell still had a ton of carries. I think he had 15 carries and like five targets or 14 carries and five targets. So he had 19 total opportunities last week. Well, he was in the backfield for 21 snaps via pro football focus. 
uh, out wide for 17 in the slot for seven and in line one. So he is everywhere on the field. The definition of the Swiss army knife, like he's what NFL teams wanted Dexter McCluster to be 10 years ago, name drop. And it just didn't. Dexter uh, McCluster. They, they, they wanted Josh Cribbs. Like if Cordell was playing in the Josh Cribbs era, he would have been Josh Cribbs on steroids. And Josh Cribbs was a great kick returner. And he brought the wildcat to the league, um, which was pretty interesting so and and guess what guess what um let's take this one back what about the guy from the Steelers he was kind of a Swiss army knife type Antoine Randall L yes yes my man could throw the ball was the Appalachian State now we're going way back yeah Antoine Randall L and then you know you had um the other, the Steelers kind of were, were were doing this for a while, even when they took uh, Randall Hines, went to like, Indiana. My bad, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. even when they took Hines, he was kind of like that in Georgia, right? Like just kind of do it all type guy. Like those guys are far few and in between now. So are are you interested in a guy like Patterson, like who's just going to play everywhere? He'll be involved in any type of game script now. Vegas thinks it's going to be an uglier game. You know the Panthers you know, more more than anyone probably in this industry here. So six- we're struggling. I've watched every game um, in in detail too, not just for fantasy, just to see what's going on. First couple of weeks of the season, we look like, and I don't even say for. I want to maybe say games two, three, maybe four. We look like world beaters because the first week of the season, you know, we played the Jets and we're kind of stifled in that game, but we, we pulled out the win. Or, or we're in control of the game and we still won the game. Defense was was playing pretty well. Donald was playing fine. Um, I think because of the lack of, and I'm just going to say it, I think the lack of Christian McCaffrey on offense has hurt this team significantly. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey was kind of the uh, – the potpourri on top of the poop smell, if you will. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he could basically shoulder the load in the running game. You just and the went passing poop game. smell and followed it up with shouldering the load, man. I, you, <laughs> I can't make this stuff up. It. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just think he did so much on offense. And look, I was one of those, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, and I think I've changed my mind because of how, how this team looks. I was one of those guys that said, look, man, we can't use McCaffrey this much. We, we just can't. We've got to do something. We got to spread the ball around. And by spread, I mean uh, not throw it to him like five times in a row. Like let's 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 at least get 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 other guys involved so he can run the ball. So he can get some of those RB option routes. And then I was reminded just last night as I watched the Saints Seahawks game that if you have a weapon like Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, they're the best weapon in football. You have to use them. And so even though the game was low scoring last night, Alvin Kamara teed off on the Seahawks. 10 or 11 catches, 100-something yards, you know, 17 carries for 50 yards, whatever it was. And that's why they won the game, because he was the best weapon on the field. This is what, how the Panthers were able to, the first couple weeks of the season, really run away with things. Christian McCaffrey was the best weapon on the field. And so what it did was it opened it up for Sam Darnold to not make mistakes. 
I mean, when you can throw it to Christian McCaffrey three, four yards around the line of scrimmage and he can turn yep. it into a 20-yard play. Yep. Well, man, I mean, that's – Looks wow, good in the box cool. score. Looks good in the box score for Darnold, doesn't it? Yeah, looks great. But but also, what does it do? When you have to account for McCaffrey, DJ Moore's open, Robbie Anderson can run some fly routes, the tight ends can get open. It, it changes everything. I don't think and anybody so, in the industry wants to hear about Robbie Anderson right now, Chief. They, they don't, <laughs> but, hey, it is what it is. But – and look – the wide receivers have not helped Darnold right. this season with the drops. You can say what you want to say. I'm watching the game. I'm seeing guys drop out routes five yards away and just, I mean, on crucial downs, you know. And so, you know, but my point is, I think the, I think the Falcons are going to be, be able to score points. And I'm looking at the prices, 6,600 for Ridley, I believe. And, and I brought up Patterson because he's 6,200. And while – it, it, it's still there's like the stigma surrounding Cordell Patterson and what he is with the offense and you know the Panthers the, listen, the Panthers were healthy defensively they had, a, they had some really nice weeks and like you said they're hurting yeah. right now but right. Here's, the th- here's the thing Chief first four weeks first four games that Patterson played great receiving numbers two targets seven targets seven targets six targets you know but he had single digit carries in the first four weeks he had 27 carries in the first four weeks. Last two weeks, he's had 28 carries. So we're talking like mid, like middle-of-the-road RB1 numbers in this league with 14 touches each of the last two weeks. And he's also had 14 targets. He just didn't have much to show uh, on the receiving end. In the Miami game, he had five targets for two yards. He's had, other than week one against Philly, he's had, he had 13 yards in the air in week one, but he had 58 yards, 82, 82, 60. I, Patterson, and if he continues in this role, seems 70% of the snaps again with like, pushing 20 total opportunities the, with the backfield and out wide. He kind of has a high floor, and his touchdown equity, I think, is probably much higher than it was in the first four weeks. So, like, I'm kind of want to peep the sports book and almost take a Cordell Patterson anytime touchdown kind of thing, maybe too. So, I think those price points are really interesting in a game that might not seem appealing like to the public. The thing about the, the Falcon, this is the last thing I'll say about it is, you know, their prices are coming up and uh, you know, our guys prices are, are trending down. And so it kind of makes for an interesting little stack. Um, you know, do you think Sam Darnold is going to, you know, uh, come out and and play okay this week because we needed a division game. We're still right there. Like we're not out of out of anything. We've already beat the Saints, so if we beat the Falcons. Like you know, we're still still in the thick of things in the division. Um, but I, I do think Atlanta is going to be able to score some points. And let me say this last thing too about Darnold because um, remember I like to give everybody a fair shot, right? Sam Darnold was in the Jets with the, uh, what I consider to be a bad coaching staff, and now I consider this to be a better coaching staff. And so I do think he can play better. But they put in P.J. with, you know, a respectable amount of time left in that game. And we saw the same results. It's not like P.J. Walker came in and led us to two touchdown drives. There were it was literally the same results running for his life in the backfield, getting hit, not completing passes. What that tells me is we have significant offensive line problems right now. And once again, look at Patrick Mahomes with bad offensive line problems. 
Look at Deshaun Watson when he had bad offensive line problems. He was running for his life. Russell Wilson. Look, look at Russell Wilson. Look at Tom Brady in New England with bad offensive line problems. One year, Tom Brady felt like he was getting hit every other play. I'm serious. And so, I, I and so now him being in Tampa Bay, being able to stay clean most of the game. Look at his. Look at how much better he looks. He's got weapons too. Don't get me wrong. Um, look at the Eagles when their offensive line is hurt. Look at Matt Stafford. <laughs> look, okay, you, you see what I'm saying? Right. Look at Derek Carr with bad offensive line problems. His first couple of years in the league. The list goes on and on. Look at Joe Burrow last year with bad offensive line problems. Joe Bengals, Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you got you got to spend some money for the guys up front uh, if you want your team to be successful. And those aren't the, those are the guys you're not going to recognize in your local Walmart. You're just going to look at them and say, man, do you play football? But you're not going to know that they're the offensive linemen for some, you know, spectacular sports team. That's your team's John Stockton from the Dream Team. They can get out, roam the streets, go to the theme park, take their family out to dinner, go shopping and do it all. But they have to get paid because if not, your team's not going anywhere. Listen, man. Brady's offensive line in New England was so good. I was thinking about this the other day. He most times not had a great offensive line. They made credit card commercials about his linemen and stuff. Remember those? Like his linemen had commercial Jesus. spots. So good for Tom Brady for staying clean most of his career. His jersey didn't have to go through the wash a ton. Um, <laughs> the funny thing about this slate is a lot of the high-powered offenses are not on the main slate. Green Bay and Arizona, Thursday night, Sunday night. We have Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Don't have to worry about that calf injury, but all the offensive firepower on Dallas. And the Chiefs are Monday night. And Chiefs are Monday night. And Minnesota with Dalvin Jefferson and Thielen on on Sunday night as well. So, Well, but there's there's still a few. Right, so let's go. The Chargers are still there. The Chargers are there. Let me hear about them. I know we spent The Rams are still there. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans are still there. And let me let's talk about that game. Can, can we just talk about that one? And then that, that'll be my last game of the week. Here's why I want to talk about this game. And the Bills are still there, but they're facing Miami. Who I think they should handle. Well, there, here's there, why. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's why I think this Tennessee Colts game is so important. We've seen Carson Wentz in a rough game play fairly well. And I'm saying rough weather conditions. This week at home. Both teams in the dome. I'm expecting this game to have points. Like, it, it's at 49 right now. I, I would be on the over on this game currently. Here's why. I think Carson Wentz is playing better than we think. And I think we keep trying to compare him to his Eagles playing day. But he, he's not that guy. He, he's a different guy in this offense. Look at how the turnovers have come down. Look at the week before when he had to push the ball down the field and he threw for over 300 yards against Lamar Jackson and and the Baltimore Ravens. I I think this is a different scenario. He's got a running game that he can lean on some. He can take some shots. He's got this interesting trio of wide receivers that aren't the big names, but these these guys can ball. Michael Pittman isn't like – they're not calling him Jamar Chase. But secretly, he is balling, right? 5,300 on DK. He's balling. 
I look at this game. The Titans are going to be able to score points. They're going to score points. I think this is one of the possibly early in the week. We'll have to see how ownership shakes out. I think this is possibly one of the sneakier games on the slate. And as it stands right now, I'm willing to go into the week with Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman stacks with some Derrick Henry runbacks, some A.J. Brown runbacks, some Julio Jones at 5,800 runbacks. I'm getting really excited about the pricing here because I can get what I consider to be the best running back on the slate with a sneaky, high-powered offense that can get there. And then I can mix in a Cooper Cup if I want. I can mix in uh, a Keenan Allen if I want, who's also 6,500, right? I can mix in a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin if I want. Like, these are the things I can do. I might be able to get away with playing Kamara and Derrick Henry this week because of this game. Really excited, Loops. I'm done for the week. I'm going to close it out there with at least how I'm feeling about it. What say ye for your hometown Titans? Versus the Indy Colts. I think it's going to be pretty fascinating because when these two teams played initially, Tennessee played well, but Wentz was really banged up. They didn't even know if he was going to play come Sunday morning. Uh, I'm thinking he's a little healthier. Absolutely. They got, um, uh, oh man, who's who's the big lineman there? They got back finally. Quentin Nelson's back. Oh yeah. Oh, he's a dirty lineman too. Like, like, Quentin Nelson's one of those guys you want. Like, he's going to be pushing guys down the field. Like, he's a nasty so lineman. The, the, the thing is, the, the Colts' offensive line is so much bigger, the, so much better than Kansas City's, that the Titans' game plan is going to be completely different because they're not going to be able to just send four the whole game against Carson Wentz. And if they do, he's going to have a field day because he's going to have time. Now, the, this Titans' defense is in – the secondary is still really hurting – Christian Fulton, who uh, has been really good this year, um, uh, shut down Metcalf and a couple others. Uh, he's on IR. Caleb Farley, first-round corner draft pick with a, a really high ceiling. Tours ACL, unfortunately, against the Bills. Their corners are in big trouble, in big trouble. So On, if, on both sides, though, unless the corners have come back from uh, Indy. Because Indy sides. had some tremendous problems at corner as well. So, and the Titans line after the first carry week against the Cardinals and the Jets, they've only given up two sacks the last two weeks. Um, so they've really started coming around. So if both quarterbacks have a little time in this game, I think we're right. I think we're going to see some points and uh, I like the over uh, in this one too. Um, talk to me about the Bills yeah. because Josh Allen probably has the highest ceiling in general on this slate at quarterback. And it's kind of the same situation, huge spread, can you play these guys if it's a blowout? You know, we know what Allen does to Miami uh, most of the times they play. So how do you address this game with the 13-and-a-half-point spread right now? Um, I think for me on this one, it's more of if you're building 150 lineups, take a shot on what may be the best – one of the best offenses on this slate, and you might be able to catch some lightning in a bottle. Like Josh Allen to Diggs with Cole Beasley, Josh Allen to Diggs with Emmanuel Sanders, Josh Allen to Diggs, you know, uh, with to, I don't know, maybe Tommy Sweeney or something like that, because, you know, what's going on with Dawson Knox. But, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think that's the way you build this. And, you know, maybe you run it back. Maybe you don't. Right. Maybe you could run it back with Mike Jasicki. 
but maybe you don't run it back with anyone because this team could legitimately score 38 to 40 points and Miami score a touchdown. And the, the cool thing about Buffalo is not only is their offense spectacular, their defense is pretty good too. And so, you know, the thing is when they get a chance to feast on an inferior team, they're going to do that. And I do think the Dolphins, from an offensive perspective, is an inferior team currently. And so I, I think the Buffalo Bills on both sides of the ball should have a good day. I'd be willing to roll Allen Diggs and another receiver and the Buffalo Bills defense all in the same lineup. I like that call. And, and why does it correlate? Because a lot of times we think, oh, play the running back with the with the with the defense, because that, that, that is a form of correlation. But the Bills pass the ball a lot more than they run the ball. And when they're putting pressure on other teams, what happens? Quarterbacks feel pressed. They make mistakes. You get pick six opportunities. You know, maybe they stay in the pocket too long because they want this, this deep flag, uh, you know, to try to burn it, to try to, try to split the cornerback and the safety. But then they don't realize the guy's coming around the corner. You get strip sack touchdown. Like there's so many things that you can do when a high-powered offense is, continues to score, right? And the other team is playing catch-up and they make mistakes. You get interceptions. You get sacks. You get fo- – and, and so that's why I'm t- giving you that perspective. Allen, two receivers, and the Bills' defense. I love it this week. I like it. But before before we cut to story time, I do want to talk about, and we can do it as quickly or as elaborate a- as you choose, two 4 o'clock games. One, the, which the public may not be on as much, is Jacksonville and Seattle. And the Seattle defense is not good. I mean – Everybody was all about playing the Jaguars earlier this year, and we had, what, five or six weeks roll by, and things are whatever. But I'm looking at this game, and I'm looking at Seattle's defense, and I'm thinking, I don't know, Marvin Jones is in play, right? James Robinson. Oh, God, these guys, I don't don't know. You don't know? I mean, what are your thoughts here? The only person I want to play from Jacksonville is James Robinson because I feel like he's the only person that's safe. Like, I I don't know what to expect out of this team week to week. And, and let me tell you why I say that because I'm so heavy in the prop game, I, I kind of get a read on everything that's happening most weeks. And it's like they phase Marvin Jones out of the offense for like two weeks in a row. And then they come back and he has 10 targets. Now he did have nine, 11 and eight, but then he went two weeks with three and five last week. He had 10 against Miami. What, what's he going to have this week? I don't, I don't know. And that's why it's a GPP thing, you know, but I'm just giving you my perspective. Like, no, man, right. they're right. all over the place right now. The only constant to me is James Robinson, who wasn't constant in week one. And I, I, had, I was like, what is he doing? But James Robinson seems to be what they're building this offense around this season to help Trevor play better. 6,600 is uh, an appealing price tag. I'm oh, just, I love it. I'm just going to say it. that much there. And how about the Tom Brady game? Bucks, Saints, Tampa Bay with a team total about 27 and change right now, I think. Pushing 28. Uh, I mean, Antonio Brown didn't play last week. I haven't heard much on him. I, I often wonder what his status is going to be. I would think maybe with this divisional game I, in, in a week off, he'll be good to go. Um, it's a big game. This you know game. what? It's a big game, and the Saints funnel the run. They're a good run defense. And I, you know what? I think Brady throws the ball 45, 50 times in this game. I think it's going to be one of those games. He threw it for he threw it 36 times against Chicago. 
211 and four touchdowns. Now, I do want to put that in perspective. Almost every time he had the ball, they were inside the 50. And I, and I, I watched that game too. I don't even know how I watched all these all this film on Sunday, but I watched a bunch. But the, the, the Bears had so many turnovers. Tom Brady pretty much had short field position the whole game, which is why the yards are down, but the touchdowns are up. You get what I'm saying? And also, if you look kind of on the season, he threw the ball 36 times, which is a touch lower than kind of his average. I think he's averaging, what, about 42 times a game, somewhere up in there, 40, 42, somewhere around there. Um, but like I said, just a touch. But in this particular game, I don't see that happening. Like, if you were ever going to play the Tom Brady, you know, splash game again, I definitely think it would be this one. Uh, I'm, with, I'm with you. And the prices are really appealing. Chris Godwin will probably be pretty chalky at 6,400. Yeah, he was chalked last week at 59. So at 64, if Antonio Brown is out. Even if he plays, he'll carry ownership. But I think Brown would be an interesting pivot because there might be some unknown there, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, sure. but you make a good point about the field position. And I think I think that's the biggest thing with – we talked about these games with the larger spreads. but Like Buffalo-Miami. Miami is just prone to make a mistake or two. Like maybe not sustain some more dr- like drive. Buffalo could be gifted, you know, more touchdown equity – which is great for fantasy. And the same thing with Cincinnati, which we talked about Joe Bengals a little bit earlier in the show, which they is why the same thing, run it up and then gonna, have a seat. Is Joe Flacco going to start Sunday for the jet? Like, like they could have massive fuel position, which is just screaming Joe Mixon in this one, as much as we're talking Joe Bengals and Jamar, which is, which is awesome. Joe Bank, man, listen, we got to get Joe Burrow on this podcast and just, just let him know, you know, you're Mr. Joe Bengals from, from here on out. On the Food for Thought podcast. Joe Bengals, man. How much pull do you think we have at Roto-Grinders? Dan Bach, man. <laughs> let, let us know if you got any pull with the Bengals, because uh, <laughs> if we can get Joey Bengals on the show, that would yeah. be that Joey would be cool. B. B for Bengals. All right. Fun stuff. Story time, Chief. I haven't talked to you in two weeks on this. Two thing, weeks. So. Well, well, no, well, two weeks on the air. We we did communicate, and I appreciate you for checking on me, man. And I got you. I, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I think in terms of story time, um, did I get a chance to talk about my girlfriend's party? Like, yeah. I did? Okay, yeah, all right, cool. So, because Stevie asked me about that the other day, because um, we hadn't talked about it. Like, we, you know, we've communicated, too. We had talked about it. So here's what I'm gonna say for story time, and, and this is this isn't this isn't a funny one. This is just me kind of you know letting you guys in my life. So for those of you that don't know, I coach girls basketball here locally at the high school, and um, I'm the assistant coach, not the head coach. And uh, I enjoy being the assistant because I get to practice, help coach the girls, but I don't have to get everything. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's not like I don't want to be at everything. It's just you know. I'm really heavily involved in sports. Sports is kind of a big part of my life. So, you know, I've got RG shows. I got other things I want to do fantasy related and prop related. So I can't make every game or make every practice. I make 80% of everything, I would say. Um, But, you know, my coach called me over the weekend and asked if I would be interested in being the head coach of the B team, which only plays on Saturday, probably early in the morning. But, of course, they're going to practice. And I just, I'm bringing that up to say, you know, this is more of an inspirational hard work story, right? Like I've worked hard to be 
a good coach. And so even though I, I, you know, told my coach, I said, yeah, man, I, I don't have time. I'm, I'm a little bit too busy to take on anything in terms of a, a leadership role on the coaching staff. You know, I appreciated him asking me because to me, it was an acknowledgement of me trying to develop my craft. For those of you that don't know, I did play basketball, did have a, a you know, a college basketball scholarship, uh, didn't take it because I broke my ankle. So I went on an academic, uh, so that's just another, some other insight. But the moral of this story is if you've been working hard at fantasy, the success will come. Like if you do it the right way, success is right around the corner for you, right? So don't shortchange, don't take the shortcuts. RG's already built the shortcuts for you with Gridiron IQ, with Lineup HQ, but there's still work that you have to do to make yourself a better player, right? And I think, you know, I don't – I. It, it does take hard work to last in this industry. You know, it, it takes hard work. And never get on cruise control, right? Don't let yourself get on cruise control because then you make mistakes and you miss something, right? When, 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 when you want it to be the best or, you know, you want it to – get better, like you took out time and got better, right? And then you put in all this research and then over time, sometimes your research can die down because it's like, oh, well, I I understand what's happening. I can just open up the slate and I know who's good and I know who's bad. Well, now you're just being like everybody else. And then you wonder why certain guys win all the time. Like, don't take your foot off the pedal. Like, push yourself to be the best version of yourself and the success will come. Are you saying that's my story? Are you saying you put in 80 hours a week, (laughs) like the uh, industry chatter on Twitter after (laughs) some (laughs) of the greats, some of the greats were discussing the time they put in and uh, it was, it was a good, it was a good entertaining listen. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not 80. Um, And that's another thing I've learned how to manage my time better as I've gotten better. Right. I understand that working hard doesn't mean working a long time every day. Do you, do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think, and, and to each his own, for me, time is valuable. So I want more time doing other things than DFS. But when I'm doing DFS, I'm all in. Gotta I'm not getting distracted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's a tough, tough thing to manage sometimes, depending on what your philosophies are, what your processes are. And yeah. Sometimes there aren't enough. There are not enough hours in the week with everything you have to get done. So, um, yeah, if I put in eighty hours a week, I, I wouldn't. I, <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Well, well, yeah, and, and let me say this too. That's why. And look, I'm sharing this story because I had to prioritize, right? Like deep down inside, would it have been good to get my shot at putting my stamp completely on a team, even though it's a young team? Would that have been good? Absolutely. Like, do you know how, how that would feel as a coach to take these young kids and mold them into good players, win games, see development, see progress, right? And it's my team. Like, I get a chance to put my – like, that's fantastic. But I had to sit back and say, well, wait a minute. I love DFS. I love what I do here at RG. I love getting involved in price picks. I love talking with people about props and this stuff. And I said, man, that's really going to impact – this side of my life that I love as well. 
So I had to decide, hey, I'm not cutting off my DFS time for coaching when I'm already going to be coaching because I'm still coaching with the JV team. I would just also have the be the head coach of the B team. Can't do it. Can't do it, you know? Totally. So my story time is I'm going to put you back on the mic as an open-ended question for you. It's a fun, another fun one. So yeah. we know Tom Brady threw a 600 touchdown pass and the fan uh, gave it back. And there was like, oh, well, he lost his leverage when he gave the ball back. Well, everybody's quick to judge someone when they make a decision. That's what sucks about it being 2021. You know, social media is both great and a double-edged sword because no one could just be happy for for somebody else doing something, it seems like. So in return, the fan got two signed jerseys and a helmet from Tom Brady, a signed uh-huh. Mike Evans jersey, and his game cleats, a $1,000 credit at the Bucks team store, which in his defense might be like two shirts and a hat, um, which is fine. Maybe a little more than that, but I, know, I get I'm it. Just, I'm just being I get sarcastic. It. And two season tickets for the rest of the season and next season. And the coolest thing is Tom Brady said on the interview uh, on the Manning cast last night, which was great with Marshawn Lynch, by the way, who dropped his yeah. F-bomb on national television. Of I course love he Marshawn. did. Of course he did. He's about that action. Um, and Tom Brady said he's giving him a Bitcoin as well. That's, uh, I mean. That's what you want, folks. So, so my question to you, Chief, is the deal enough? Or would you have handled it? Now I, now, I just was bashing people for judging this guy's decision. But in the spur of the moment, if you caught that touchdown, Pat, if you were given that ball, now that you've had time to reflect on it, what would you have done? Or what, what do you think you would have done in the heat of the moment? And was the deal fair? Uh, I definitely think the deal was fair. I definitely – come on, man. You, you don't – I've played sports. So my best game – of my basketball career as a high school player. I mean, bro, listen, I went off, like just slapped off unstoppable. I mean, defense off. And I, I was always a good defense player. And, you know, my coach ensured that I got that ball for myself. Like he ensured this, right. He was like, Hey, hey, hey I need that ball. I need that ball. Made sure to give it to me in the locker room. In sports, we're not going to rob, especially Tom Brady, of the opportunity to keep a 600 touchdown pass ball. There's sentimental value attached to that, that he's, he's, he wasn't going to get back, right? It's, it's, it's sentimental. Listen to what he got. Listen to what he gave him. A helmet sign, two jerseys. Mike Evans is giving it. Things. What does that tell you about Mike Evans? He's invested in this thing, right? Because he he realized he gave it away. He wanted to do his part as well. This person is going to have these heirlooms or things with them the rest of their life. I'm telling you right now, he can get just as much if you wanted to sell it. I'm saying if you wanted to sell it, let's go that route because, you know, everybody's all about the money. That's basically what this is about at the end of the day. Was the compensation fair for the trade? All you do, you go and take all these jerseys, the cleats, the helmets, anything that's signed, and you get it authenticated by one of the most reputable companies in the country. And now you can sell this stuff. Here's the other thing. He's getting a Bitcoin. Well, for those of you that don't know, I was uh, in the financial field. And so I'm, I'm following this stuff every day anyway, which is another part of what I have to do during the day. Uh, do you know how much a Bitcoin is worth by chance? 
What is Bitcoin currently at, Chief? Currently at $62,306.72. Yeah, I thought it was above 60K. With, with upside, and it could also drop back down. But either way, you've basically got $62,000 in your hands, signed paraphernalia. You don't have to pay for any food that, at the game anymore for at least the next year. And you're going to get season tickets the rest of this year. You're still young. And next season. I think that's a fair trade-off because any game you don't want to go to, you just list list your tickets on the marketplace. Someone may or may not buy them, but Hey, you're pretty much guaranteed to go to all these games for free. They're taking care of your food. The only thing I might've, I might've said was, Hey, not to push the envelope here. Can you hook me up with some free parking? (laughs) Maybe that's about it. Oh, I love it. The Bitcoin was, that, was the Bitcoin was fair. the over the top deal sweetener for me on uh, on Brady, yeah. and that was Brady going over the top there and and adding that in, which was which was super cool. Of him, you know, Brady just I, I never I was never a Tom Brady hater. Did I root for him? No. Do I appreciate? Did I always appreciate his success? Absolutely. But he he turned himself into this likable guy. No, like. I, I, he just is like is more personable and he's now become like the grandfather of the league. And he's kind of like taken that, um, you know, little label and has been pretty funny with the things he's done. And um, all while he's still smashing the competition. So look, I, I think he just, had to re, he had to reinvent himself. He's not, he's not terrific Tom anymore. He is, but I'm saying he is the elder statesman, right? He's efficient. He could, Tom. He, he could be, probably half of his teammates actual dad in in terms of some of the age gaps yeah he might be who knows (laughs) (laughs) who knows maybe he is so you know i I think that's i think that's a big deal and so i i i feel like tom is like this right i feel like almost everybody liked michael jordan when michael jordan was around almost everybody i feel like the poll was it was less of a split maybe like 80 20 oh we love michael because he was like the league Right. Mm-hmm. We go to Kobe Bryant, though. And it's probably more 50 50. Yeah, I don't like Kobe, man. I love Kobe. Here's the one thing everybody on both sides of the fence, though, agreed on. Love him, like him, hate him. Respect you have him. to respect. Him. Absolutely. Right. And that's Tom Brady. Love him, like him, hate him. You can never, you have to respect his accomplishments and what he's been able to get done in this league and is still doing. And that's when you know for sure you're one of the goats. It's funny. You see those memes floating around that says, I'm going to tell my grandkids this was Tom Brady or whatever. You mm-hmm. might not have to tell them. They could probably just watch him when Brady's 65 and um, still in a clean pocket playing for the next you know, Vancouver expansion team in 2040. We're, we're, we're not getting this again. I, I can tell you that Never. right now. Never. Tom, Tom Brady, he's, he's one of a kind. Um, or if we got it again, it, it's not going to be for a long time. I mean, look, I think Drew Brees was trying to keep pace, not keep pace like keep up, but trying to see maybe how far he could go. And finally he realized, ah, this is it. Ben Roethlisberger is going to have, and I'm saying these are league legends, right? The guys that have been Peyton. I mean, Peyton right. last season Peyton. two weren't great, right? It's like, right. yeah, this is it. But, Eli Manning, yeah, th- th- this is it. Philip Rivers, you know, and I'm, I'm just going kind of with the our legends, right? Our our quarterbacks that played a long time. Philip Rivers, 
this is it. Uh, now it's Brady, and it's like, well, he might be able to play another three to 35 years. I'm just kidding, but I don't, it doesn't appear that he's done. Right. I mean, now who knew the conversation would go here today? Uh, but it's just, he's, he's been spectacular, man. And, uh, and he's gotten better. And I was watching this this morning, but it's so true. This was on Get Up, by the way, which I think I like Get Up better than First Take now for some reason. Uh, first take is fun, but I, I like get up. I think, you know, the multi-personalities are, are good there. Uh, Greeny and uh, Swagoo, Dominique Foxworth, Rex Ryan comes. Like, I, I think they got a good mix of talent there. Uh, and they asked the question, do you think Tom Brady, is this the best Tom Brady we've seen? And what Dominique Foxworth said, you know, initially, you know, you want to say, oh, no, 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 like, but then you, you really sit back and think and go, my God, I think he's actually better than he was 15 years ago. And that's insane. But it's true. And, and part of the reason for that is he's got more help. The game's easier. Why quit playing when you can pretty much show up to work and just, you know, have fun, right? I, I think this is last, – last thing. Man, I'm talking a lot of this because I missed last week. Just bear with me, people. Awesome. Hopefully you enjoy this podcast. Ate your mama's podcast. <laughs> Food for thought. Uh, I think Tom Brady's just having fun now. Like, like, because think about it. Bruce Arians has fun. He's a fun coach. No risk it, no biscuit. He wants to have fun. The offense is having, and, and they're working. They're putting in the work. But I think he's having fun. And th- th- this fun may extend him another two years. I think things are coming full circle here. You're talking about not you know, not getting lazy and still putting in the work, even though, you know, the process, you know, Tom Brady is working damn hard to be playing at this caliber at his age. Right. So he could easily, like you were just talking about earlier with other things in life, whether it's DFS or whatever, like don't make it seem like Tom Brady's coasting, you know, he is, you know, putting in overtime to play at this level. If father time is father time, although it's probably a little easier because, you know, his work ethic A and B, you know, all the great uh, personality has probably doing cryotherapy, the whole nine yards, whatever he has. And he gets to wake up next to Giselle every day. So it probably makes life a little bit easier to roll out of bed uh, when you get the supermodel on the other side. And he's like, let's go to work. I'm going to leave the supermodel and go play with this championship caliber team and play till I'm 50 and life is good. I'm, I'm dishing out guys, bitcoins for my game football. Life is good. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here, my man, man, I'm good, bro. Uh, fun pod today. Just fine. Yeah. Good stuff. And, and you know what Our, I just a little like victory lap tout stuff, but collectively um, our team is really, putting together a hell of a football season on scores and odds with our picks. And we had a great MLB season. Um, NFL has been awesome. And NBA, I mean, we're clear. NBA is back. It's so great. And I miss our talks on the morning grind. Maybe, maybe we'll have a new project in the future. We'll see what happens, but um, man, the props on NBA and prize picks for you over there and just getting that little segue. And I know there's a little trial you can get for scores and odds. Um, a couple day trial. I had someone DM me about it. Um, so you can get a trial and scores and odds and you're able to see um, our expert picks during the trial, which is really cool. So you can see our, um, our betting picks and our write-ups over there, but more importantly, where can the people find you on Twitter chief? And um, you know, you do a lot of content for prize picks. I see you throwing some thrive fantasy stuff out there and you're, you're really uh, booming in the prop market right now. 
Yeah, at Chief Justice 06. Um, and, and by the way, Thrive is actually giving us an increased payout structure for the rest of the week. 4X on two for twos. Uh, I think it's, hold on, let me look this up. Because when I saw it, I said, my gosh, I'm, I'm going to have to crank up some, th- some stuff on Thrive here this week. Payout, they, they got boosted payout structures for our props. Two for two is 4X. Three for three, 7X. Four for four is 12X. Usually 3.6, 6.2, and 11X. Man, get in there, people. Let, let, let's do it. Uh, I'll, put, I'll put a link out on Twitter today because I am going to be over there. And let's win some money. Let's win some money. Let's get it. Let's have a week. So for the Chief, Will Priester, I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a great week. Stay well, and good luck, everybody.